Welcome, everybody. This is Paul with the Discovery Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of emotional awareness. Ray is going to be doing the presentation. He's been with us for about 11 years, and he has a lot to say about the power of emotional awareness. Go ahead, Ray. All right. Thanks, Paul. So I wanted to share just a little bit about the uh, the journey I've been on as a as a human, obviously, but also as a man exploring emotions. And uh, we've talked about this topic in the past briefly. Uh, you know, obviously emotions come up in uh, various topics that we talk about. But just want to share a little bit about the journey that I'm going through currently, what I'm learning, what I'm experiencing, and then also to share a tool with the listeners that they, you know, may, may be able to utilize. So for, I'd say, maybe a year or two now, I've noticed that some struggles in my life were revolving around emotional intelligence and emotional awareness. And, uh, you know, simply put, many of us, you know, it's, it's not only a, a, a male thing, but men do tend to, because of culture, experience it a little bit more frequently, this expectation to suppress emotions, to to be tough, to suck it up, to get over it. And was just noticing within myself that a lot of the struggles I was having were connected to this inability to identify or accept emotions that I was having at any given time. And one of the things that stood out to me is that, you know, and as I was becoming aware of this this uh, concept and, and trying to work through it, so it's been, a, you know, a little over a year trying to develop more awareness around emotions. But in the beginning, one of the things I noticed is that when I was trying to have conversations about emotions, I had a difficult time even putting a lot of the ways I was feeling into words. And I had a tendency to shift the conversation towards thought. You know, I had to be honest with myself at, at moments where I'm, you know, responding and, and even mid in mid-conversation realizing that I said I, I, I think this way about it. This is how I see it. This is what I've come to believe. This is how I understand it. Nothing about emotions. And uh, as I, you know, dug deeper and deeper into it, I realized that emotions, I, I suppressed that area of my life so much that I almost didn't know how to talk about simply what I'm feeling in the moment, not what I think about the situation, you know, what I've come to understand and how I see, you know, moving forward the way that it should be done, you know, the best way it could be done, how, how I could improve, but just how am I feeling in the moment without any judgment attached to it. And in this tool that I'm going to share, that's one of the things they talked about, which is the two approaches to emotions. One is the emotional judge. The other is the emotional scientist. And so many people judge the emotions. We find some way to explain it or to explain it away and usually try to avoid experiencing the emotion because we're taught that emotions are 
bad, you know, especially in children. There's, there's various emotions that we unconsciously, mostly, are teaching our children and are taught as children to suppress or that are bad, you know, to, to get upset, for instance. In this podcast I was listening to, they was referring to childhood experiences where some people were suggesting that if a child is upset or lashing out, to make them sit in a corner or sit by themselves until they, you know, change their, their attitude or to like, till they calm down. In a way, we're teaching that child that if they're experiencing a strong emotion like anger or frustration, that we're going to reject them that we're not going to allow them into our space or, or to comfort them or to accept them unless they're behaving in a, in a certain way, unless they suppress that emotion, and only then will we accept them back into our, our embrace. And, you know, so there's many reasons through the trauma we experience and the, the conditioning as a child that we learn and adapt, you know, as a survival mechanism to do away with the emotions so that we can get along, so that we can be tolerated, so that we can be accepted, so that we can seem normal. And what I'm learning is that for your own well-being, but also for your uh, relationships, how you interact with people, how you're able to understand things from their perspective, what they're going through, it helps to be compassionate. It's difficult to be compassionate with a person if you don't even understand your own emotions, let alone taking the time to acknowledge the way that they may be feeling in the moment. So there's just so much power in that, and it's unfortunate that that's such a, a large area that we write off as insignificant. I know myself, I, I, I definitely had that viewpoint for a long time that emotions, you know, they have their place, but you need to learn to control them. And, and in ways, I think the starting point is becoming aware, tuning in, becoming curious about the way that you're feeling. And that's what I've been making a shift towards recently, towards the emotional scientist, in that I'm becoming curious about the way that I'm feeling in the moment. And at one point, I, I struggled to put any word to the feeling, but now I'm learning to put a, a vast variety of words. Instead of just anxious, I'm learning that sometimes I'm not so much worried about an, an event as I'm just tense. There's tension in my body. Or I might just be irritated. Um, I learned a word last night, jilted. I think I've heard it before, but when I was scanning through the, these, uh, in this tool, I'm going to share just in just a second, they give you this quadrant of emotions, or the, the four, these four quadrants, and as you're looking through these emotions, and, and as like a, an emotional scientist becoming curious and trying to figure out which one m more applies to what I'm actually feeling in this moment, I come across jilted and realize that that sounds more like what I was feeling in the moment than anything else that I would have initially, you know, that would have initially come to mind. 
so the word jilt is suddenly reject or abandon. So to feel rejected or abandoned most accurately described the way I was feeling in the moment. What had happened was my sister was going through some intense emotions and she was expressing some, you know, some deep thoughts of sorrow and, and, and suicidal thoughts and things like that. And, you know, me and my family, we've got a, a group chat and I sent this, you know, somewhat long message and told her how much I, I cared and, and was very sorry for what she was going through. And, you know, some thoughts I had that to kind of deter her from seeing suicide as a, as a solution. And then I talked to my mom and realized that some of this was stemming from some money that my mom was going to loan my, my sister. And I, then I started to think, you know, maybe all of this is just a, uh, you know, a guilt trip. She's, she's lashing out. She's acting out. She's trying to get my mom's attention, ultimately trying to get, get, you know, a hold of that money. And it's, it'd been a while, probably not as long as it felt, but where she hadn't responded to that message. And, and I just felt kind of embarrassed, you know, that here I am, you know, sending all these heartfelt words and things like that. And that maybe she's thinking nobody, nobody cares about that right now. I, I want this money, you know, and, and that I felt silly for even, you know, trying and, 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 uh, and then just being, feeling ignored, you know, so in a way just kind of felt like just rejected, like what I felt and was trying to share with her was insignificant, was, was seen, you know, was ignored and, and, uh, inconsequential, inconsequential to the conversation. So that just goes to show that there's, there's so many different feelings that we have in any, any given moment, sometimes more than one feeling, but there's so much power in becoming curious about that, tuning into to those emotions, learning not only what's going on inside you with your emotions, but also what they could be connected to, because that's the, some of the biggest breakthroughs with becoming aware of your emotions is learning what triggers, what, what might be triggering those emotions. Um, just like the uh, three-step program with Discover It, identifying, confronting, and becoming proactive, it's hard to identify. That's one of the, one of the components of identifying. You know, it's part of the process of identifying. Becoming aware of what we're feeling in the moment and what that could possibly be connected to. But that's very difficult if we're in the habit of just completely ignoring the emotion, the emotional aspect altogether. So the, the tool that I've been using is this app called How We Feel. And it was a couple of uh, scientists, therapists, and people from Yale University put this app together. And it's, it's no cost. There's no subscription. There's no add this feature for two ninety nine a month or nothing like that. So obviously that's amazing, but you know, I admire good work and I think they put a lot into this app. So beyond it just being useful, it's it's beautifully constructed. And for me I'm a visual learner. And they add so in the four quadrants there are different colors. And these correspond to high energy emotions and low energy. And then on the left and right side, you've got pleasant and unpleasant. And so for me to see those four squares 
in those four colors. And as I go through this process day by day, you know, coming to associate different colors, different emotions, different shapes, because each emotion's got their own uh, shape that they design. It's helping me visually to associate different emotions with possibly different times of the day. And they do a really good job of, in the analysis section, they, they've got a section for the people you're around. So when you, when you do a journal entry, and, and it's mainly what it is, the journal, but specifically for emotions, you choose the emotion, one of two, one or two emotions you're feeling in, in the moment, do a little journal entry about it, and then you can add things like how many hours you slept the night before. You can connect it to your location so it shows the weather. It'll pull up the weather at the time of your entry. They've got tags for where you're at, what you're doing, and who you're around. And so you can go to the analysis section and, and spot trends, you know, that I tend to feel anxious, and that's just to share one trend that I've noticed. And as I was going through this process, see, I'm, I'm becoming more aware just in the moment because I'm looking out for different emotions uh, that I can, you know, journal, but that when I'm talking to somebody deeply or being approached or, you know, someone's engaging with me and trying to connect, trying to discuss something that's important to them or just to, like, my daughter. She's been living with me for the uh, past couple months or so and been really taking the time to connect with her more. But, you know, the other day I got home from work and I, uh, you know, been trying to do more things on my to-do list. And so I'm trying to knock these things out, and she's trying to talk to me. She's trying to connect. She wants to spend time. And I noticed that I started to feel tense because I'm kind of conflicted. I'm trying to get these things done and be productive as I planned to do when I started my day, but I also felt cornered. You know, I'd go into the kitchen, and she's in the kitchen trying to talk. And I go in my room, and she's in the room trying to talk. And I, I felt kind of pressured and cornered and tense. And I noticed that that happens often whenever I'm, you know, someone's reaching out to connect with me. And I think some of that stems from that, the discomfort around emotions or just connecting with somebody, just being completely open and, and engaging with them in a way that isn't based on an outcome. I've always noticed that about myself. I'm always looking at what's the outcome, what's the objective here. But I notice in moments like that with my, with my daughter, there's no objective. She's just trying to connect share how she's feeling, see what I, you know, how I respond, what I'm thinking, just to to develop more of a, a connection. And that's something that's been foreign to me most of my life. And so it, it feels uncomfortable. I feel trapped. And just becoming aware of that helps me to, it's like the starting point to developing a strategy around what do I do about that? What might I need to explore? what do I need to discover about myself or to, you know, try to work through in my life that is causing that. And so that's why I think it's, it's the tool itself is, is such a powerful tool. If that is some, you know, an area in your life that you feel could use 
some Im- improvement. There's other ways. There's books, and, and I'm listening to a podcast right now called The Man Enough Podcast, and I I felt feelings of empathy and what was the other feeling? I was moved today when I was listening to the podcast because these are grown men expressing their emotions, and it's about this particular episode was about friendship, and uh, it was a moment where the guy was being so open and vulnerable that I just I just felt, you know, emotion well up in me because it just showed, you know, it's just an example of, you know, a man being able to be that way and to express those feelings, and it, and it looked it was healthy, you know. I felt that it was healthy. It wasn't weak. It was it was actually strong, and you know, I felt what he was talking about, and you know. So there's other sources out there to go through this process and to to just to develop more awareness. Is what we've always talked about on the podcast is key, you know, as a starting point, developing more awareness, because without the awareness, you're you're in the dark trying to to fight an enemy that you you don't know where they're at you don't know what what weapons they're using and uh you know you, you're really helpless if you you have no awareness of what's going on so um that's that's my you know my journey my uh kind of a project i'm working on is just to get deeper into my emotions learning to create space for other people's emotions because that that's been a a challenge for me in connecting with people is just completely ignoring my own emotions but ignoring other people's emotions too and I'm I tend to think you know okay how do we make sense of this logically and if if I can't make sense of it logically then I I don't value the person place or thing you know and, and in reality if you take some time to to consider how they're feeling it's a it's an entirely different starting point, and if nothing else, you might be able to relate to them just how they're feeling. Not doesn't matter how they're thinking about it, or if their logic is sound, but just being able to have compassion for a person that, that's feeling away. And again, that's hard if you don't if if you don't allow yourself to experience that emotion. You don't have it, you don't create any space. You don't set aside any time to look at look into those emotions within yourself. Then then why would you do it for anyone else? So it's been greatly improving my relationships, my sense of well-being, and I, I feel just more uh, able, more capable to navigate this life that we're all going through. And at times we have no clue what we're doing. But when you leave out such an important part as your emotions it, it leaves you very, very uh, handicapped. It's a big part of the whole equation. And uh, just one last interesting point or thing that I come across in the something I was reading was that oh, it was a, po- a podcast. A guy named Gabor Mate, something like that. G a b o r m a t e. And it was on that podcast, the Man Enough podcast, and he was talking about how there's much higher rates of autoimmune disease and cardiovascular disease and death in people who suppress their emotions, people who 
have struggled, who struggle with their emotions, with expressing their emotions, with finding their voice and things of that nature. And he made this interesting connection between the immune system and emotions. And he said, what does emotions do? What's the point? And he said, it's to let good things in and to keep bad things out. And he said, what's the point of the immune system? And it's the same exact thing, to let good things in and to keep bad things out, keep germs out, things like that. And, you know, so just like if you see something bad happening in the world or, you know, a child is being abused, you, you have anger, you're frustrated, you, you want to see justice. That's an emotion that just happens. And, and you're trying, so it's a, a, an attempt to stop something bad and, and not allow that in your space. That's why you feel uncomfortable. Um, and then joy, things like that, you're allowing connection into your life, uh, laughter and things like that. You're connecting with somebody, and it's your body saying, this is good, I want more of this. And when you suppress that, it tends to have a direct effect on your immune system. He, he explained it as they're actually one system, two parts of one system. And we rarely, rarely think of it that way. But I found that very interesting, and uh, thank you for letting me share that. Thank you, Ray. That was a very good presentation. I'd like to ask you one thing before we go to the other audience. What caused you or what do you feel caused you to become emotionally uh, unavailable at the early part of your life, being afraid to show your emotions? Mine was uh, primarily a relationship with my father or lack of relationship with my father in, in some instances. But during the times when he was in my life, there was a lot of tension in the household. He he had a big ego. And he... I've experienced some of these same emotions with my, my sons. And I've read about it, you know, in history that there's this tends to be this at some point battle between father and son where the father feels that the, the son is imposing on his space. And I think the guy, Gabor Mate, I'm probably botching his name, but he mentioned that same thing in that podcast that, you know, both father and son are, you know, in a way sharing the, the mother, you know, they're sharing two sides of one of, of the same woman in the same household and, and resources and things of that nature. And it, it might be biological and just subconscious, but there, there, there comes this friction if there is a lack of love. And so what I'm learning is these things, we all want love, but for everybody, it isn't easy. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a, an immense challenge to find space within yourself for love for peace, especially if you're taught that that's weak and there's no time for that, et cetera. So for me, it was a father who couldn't allow a space to grow, to develop, to express. Uh, he had to squash every emotion that I had. He had to push me into a box to, to create space for himself because he was so insecure and, you know, he struggled with these things and, and it's nothing against him. That was the place that he was in at that time, and that had a direct effect. I learned at a young age 
to suppress my emotions to get by. If I, you know, I always say, like, when things are a subconscious response, they're so effective because they don't let up. There's no moment where the, his subconscious didn't see a threat in me expressing myself and then attack. It, it never let up. And so I learned that in order to, to get by, in order to avoid dealing with his lashing out uh, or, or imposing consequences of some sort, that it's much better if I just suppress my emotions and then, you know, the problem mostly goes away. He's got the space to be himself, to do what he wants, to express himself, whether it's anger, frustration, happiness, or whatever. And, and you know, I was out of sight, out of mind, and then I didn't have to deal with the backlash. And so when I started looking at these things in my life, like, uh, it, you know, because these things tie into assertiveness and uh, just – finding your voice, being able to express yourself in groups and things like that. It's very difficult if you've been training all your life to suppress every thought, feeling, emotion, seeing, uh, you know, we all know the, the I think Jody's brought it up in podcasts in the, in the past that, you know, the, the saying to be seen and not heard, you know, and these things as they relate to, to childhood and parenting, you know, these things are very common but it's difficult to learn all throughout the most important years of your development that you should be seen and not heard. And then all of, all of a sudden, when does it switch that when do you realize it's okay to be seen or, or to be heard, you know, seen and heard to have a voice, to have an opinion, you know? And, um, so it becomes so ingrained at a deep, you know, at a, at a deeply ingrained at a very early age. And for me, that was that, that's that was my story. I know Ray that uh, eleven years ago, when you know became a part of the Discover It uh, method, you were very withdrawn and kind of quiet. You didn't like to express yourself or what you sometimes say early in the past. Put you know put put on a point of. Uh, uh, to, to express your emotions, but uh, through the past 11 years, you have definitely transformed since you got on that journey of self-discovery and uh, really know how to express your emotions now. Really appreciate your uh, efforts and your constant uh, progress in the past 11 years, and thank you for that presentation. Thank you, Paul. I, I appreciate you as well, and I always say nothing has helped me along that path more than having a mentor. And I mean that. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Jody, you online, buddy? Yep, I'm here. Let's uh, give us a definition of emotional unavailability. Okay. Um, so emotionally unavail unavailability, that's uh, when somebody's not comfortable feeling their own emotions, sharing their emotions with others, or being present and responsive to someone else's emotions. And uh, people that are emotionally unavailable tend to 
kind of keep their partners or loved ones kind of at arm's length, rarely opening up or sharing their true emotions, um, and kind of tend to leave relationships before they really get serious. Have you, in your life, uh, ever been emotionally unavailable? Um, I think for me, like, I like what Ray said. He talked a lot about kind of like how he's brought up, and I can kind of relate to that, where um, my my dad kind of suppressed his emotions from from my experience when I was little. So um, a lot of that kind of got passed along. So when it came to, like, being emotional, I did a lot of the same things, you know, Ray was talking about where – you know, was, I tried to focus more on facts and things like that. So I could definitely see where kind of like, I guess you could say my personal mission or what I was trying to accomplish would tend to make the emotional side just kind of go away where you're just like, well, I don't, I don't have time for feelings right now. Um, so I, I could definitely see where a lot of those came into play. And then even just kind of naturally, those types of responses when it came to interacting with other people's emotions or, you know, being a parent myself, a lot of those, you know, traits kind of got carried on, kind of fell into that past program conditioning where I may not have realized that I was doing it. So like when Ray was talking about that awareness of, being able to kind of recognize these things and the keys to having a mentor to kind of help kind of point these things out so I could realize it. Um, I didn't realize um, a lot of that emotional unavailability until I started to really kind of take a look at it. So, yeah, there's a lot of little things that kind of all played in to how I was dealing with things and, and how I felt and, things like that. So thanks, Paul. Thank you very much, uh, Jody. Really appreciate it. Jody's been with us for about five years now, and definitely on this journey of his self-discovery, he has really uh, been able to expand his emotional availability for sure. Thank Thank you very much. Hey, Jeff, you online, buddy? Hey, Paul, I'm online. Apply emotional uh, unavailability to your life. Have you ever experienced that, and and uh, how how did it come about up until this point? Yeah, well, uh, I would say that I was at that point had a degree of emotional unavailability when I was growing up. I mean, in my household, like Jody uh, and like Ray, uh, my father definitely wasn't really uh, one to express emotion unless they were more like negative emotions like anger um, or frustration. But uh, I also think part of my emotional unavailability was due to um, other members of my family who, I don't know if it was a need for control over others. It It probably was a need for controlling others. But they basically... They basically insisted that there, like, when you would go through something that was 
difficult that that there was or or when you had specific opinions about things they would insist that there's only one way that was appropriate to feel about that situation or think about that situation so unless you 